0: But I said, man, I, I said I'm gonna be all in, so I am going all in. So I went all in, I had the playlist going, and I said I'm going to go all in. That means today's the Sabbath. And I remembered when I was younger and the, being a Seventh-day Adventist and what that meant. And for some reason, I left a door open. And in that door, the love of God came through. Mm. And I said to myself, I am today, I'm going to be Seventh-day Adventist again. And I was overcome with emotion, the tears were coming down. And then I said to myself, man, this is powerful, the love of God. Suddenly I didn't feel like the weight of the world was on me, I didn't feel like I, the decisions that I had been making, and stress not about, they were gone, so like, this is somebody that's looking out for me is a higher power most of all all of the love that i'm giving out spread love spread love spread love now that love i'm worthy of receiving it as well and i felt empowered Dun, 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 dun,
1: dun. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 Sculpted narrative goes out to all the giants upon whose shoulders I stand. If I can see further, it is only because of their storied vision. Let me begin with Richard Feynman.
0: Richard Feynman. What's up? What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Spread Love FM. I'm your host, Trev, and I thank you once again for joining me. I always appreciate you taking your time to listen in on our message of love and our message of justice. If you noticed those of you who are observant will notice that we have a new setup. I moved it around a bit in the studio. So we have new vinyl on the roll, on the wall. so my memorabilia, my old football helmet, my Mac, Old Mac, it actually works. I will turn it on in another episode, but we have some other stuff, and um, yeah, so I kind of like this new setup. Some of my credentials, boxing glove from Frenchie, can you see there, it's blocking the way. There you go, that's uh, Frenchie's gym. Rest in peace, Frenchie. So, um, we'll get into more of this stuff for the stuff at a later episode, but today we have a uh, Episode from a service, a talk, testimonial that I had yesterday at Spring Hill SDA, and it was such a beautiful service. It was actually my first time speaking in front of a audience that was indoors and that was scheduled. It felt like a talk, you know. I'm so used to the activism in the street and on the podcast, and this felt different. And it was, um, I really appreciate everyone for listening to me there as well. So I'm going to jump right into that testimony. And I thank my cousin, Judy. also want to thank um, Mr. Brother, Brother Paris. I didn't get a chance to thank him during the service. So I want to give him a shout out right now for putting together the slideshow. I know he had a rough time putting everything together. So I forgot to thank him during the actual sermon. Anyway, without any further ado, here it is. Uh, we're going to end up this show different as well. We're not going to have our usual outro. We're just going to go out with the special music. So um, thanks again. And uh, yeah, next time you'll see me, we will go more into what we have on the set. and We have some great episodes coming up in our new setup. In the meantime, without any further ado, I present Spring Hill SDA testimony.
1: Uh, let him give this, story, don't give him this is what I want to say, even though we believe Jesus, he never leaves us. Amen. And that's the point I want to make. And at this time, I want to bring up my cousin Trevor, as he relate to you his testimony, the lost sheep of Israel back to Israel. Amen. 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 Amen.
0: Thank you, Judy. I'll just read thank you so much. Um, thank you for welcoming me, welcoming, welcoming me here at Spring Hill SDA. Um, Judy, when Judy asked me to come up here, um, I said, "Judy, what do you want me to do? Five minutes?" She said, "No, try do as long as you want." <laughs> now, I come from activism. I come from the streets in New York, um, protesting uh, for. Black lives, economic justice, and I'm used to being in the streets, speaking for hours. So as Judy said, "You could go as long as you <laughs> want." I said, "All right, I can go. So I, can, I can do an hour, but I'm not gonna do that." <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> so I'm gonna tell my story
1: um, of how I
0: came back uh, to the church, and um, I like to start. I can see that right there. Abide. Now by the faith, hope, and love, Corinthians 13, 13 To me, by my brother-in-law Kurt there, and that's my favorite song, my favorite chapter in the Bible right now, and I'll, and I'll get to that. In that picture there, you see me, and you see my mom, Dallas Bear right there. Hello, Dallas, Mama. <laughs> and you see my father right there. And now that time I went to church with them it was here nine years ago. So they're back for the first time in church. So everybody say amen to that. Amen to that. Um, yes. And um, so I want to tell a story. That's my mom here on the right. And uh, my auntie Linda, she's there as well. And my other aunties, and my mom, the pioneer of the family in Trinidad. Um, the family was Catholic, the story goes I wasn't there. so I'm to share the stories, I've heard it. The rest of the family was Catholic and my mom went to a crusade. And at that crusade, it was the Seventh-day Adventist crusade. And the whole family being Catholic now, she came home and she said to her parents, come to church. Become a Seventh-day Adventist. Thank you. And she came home and her mom, my grandparents, converted to Seventh-day Adventism. And then all of her sisters and brothers, 11 of them, my mom was first. And they all came to Seventh-day Adventism. And then my mom came to New York, Brooklyn, New York, where I was born in East Flatbush, big ups to Brooklyn. And um, that's us. That's my dad, my sister, my sister is back there, Denise, say hello, wait, there she is. And that's my mom on the, On the left, my right, that's me behind her, my brother, and I have another sister, Dawn, who's autistic. But my mom raised us in the church, and she gave us, she and my dad, my dad taught us to give, 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 give until it hurts, and that's him there. And we always had this compass that was there. My mom taught us religion and how to be good to your fellow neighbor and how to be cheerful. And we followed these teachings. Until about the age of 21. At the age of 21, I started having my doubts about church, about religion, as Judy would say, uh, Mother Earth and hugging trees, and you have these other spiritual kind of leanings that could pull you away, but there was more than that for me. For me it was about materialism, it was about fame, and the woman, and the money, and sports, I was an athlete, um, one of the better athletes and a a football player, to play on Saturdays. And my mother actually gave me the choice, Travis, you want to play on Saturdays? It's up to you. And I said, no, but I wanted to play so badly. But still, so this this was at 14, years later, at 21, I decided to leave the church. And during that time when I left the church, at the age of 21, I started writing. I felt, and I started keeping these journals, and I have one of them here, and I have a stack of them that have documented my experience for those 10 years. And here you see a stack. So that's a stack of the journals that I have documented myself, keeping a record of my experience through high school and probably 10 years later, up, to, up until the year 2000. They start in 1991 and they end in 2000. And in these journals, I would speak about the success that I want to achieve, the things I want to do, and it led me further away from Christ. One of the things that I did was as a filmmaker and a documentary, I started documenting with video. And about the year 2005, at the time, we didn't have the smartphones. Around that time, we were one of the first. I, with my, my platform, one of the first in New York City to document the artist in the city, the independent artists. We would go from place to place documenting all of our friends because we were the only ones in Brooklyn, in Lower Manhattan that had this ability to document and tell these stories. And this is a gift that I had, to tell stories. And that's us. This is some of the people that are documented. We were at Herb Magazine's Next 100, the year of the vlog. Now it's popular, everybody has phones now. So you can document it and tell your story. So back then, there were no smartphones. It's 2005. So they wrote an article about us. The year of the vlog. Now vlogging is everybody who does it now. During that time, I had collected many credentials. You know, I worked in political campaigns, on, on Times Square. Worked. Those were just a few of the credentials that I had. And I worked with many artists. Some of the artists, they see Janelle Monet backstage with Janelle Monet before she was known, 2008. I was working with The Roots at this time. She came backstage as an opening act for The Roots. I documented her, interviewed her, was on stage with her. Imagine being on stage with Janelle Monet. And I was like, wow, this is the life. <laughs> Spike Lee, Nelson George. Any music documentary you see, Nelson George, he's always being interviewed. Spike Lee, his good friend. I edited this edited this movie, Brooklyn Bohe. Uh, my credits are there. Spike Lee, I worked with him on other jobs. Michael Jackson, uh, the yearly annual uh, party in Brooklyn for Michael Jackson. I, I documented that for him. And I was all over. This is us. There was nobody in Brooklyn. There was nobody downtown Manhattan. I couldn't walk into a club and not know three or four or five people. I was just living the life. I was getting the fame. And then, just in that picture, just so you know, i give a, a little, uh, give it away a bit, is that if any of those folks in that picture right there, these were all my friends I'd go out, drinking, hanging out, if I reached out to any of them and I was in trouble right now, and I worked, with all of these folks, this is just a fraction. And I told them that I needed help, and I reached out to them. Not one of them would return my call right now,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. not a single one. Mm -hmm. So, time went by and I I moved past film and I went into entrepreneurship. And this is my uniform, actually, right here. I've been wearing the same, uh, pretty much I have five or six outfits, all the same uniform, uh, just because just so you know, another thing. I'm an activist, so I have to mention this. One of the most harmful, uh, one of the most harmful things that you can do to the environment is fashion. Fashion is very environmentally unfriendly. So, if you have less clothes, less is more. <laughs> so I wear the same uniform. You see it now. That's it on the back. All the everywhere I go. Free your arms. Now, what free your arms does is. Yes, first, I innovated. And again, I hate to say I. I only use I when I testify. I don't like it to be about me, but if I have to tell a story, then I will talk about myself. But I was starting this new company, and what we did is we used existing space. If you travel to New York City and you had your luggage and you flew into the city, that first day when you have to check into your hotel, or your Airbnb, 4 o'clock, you arrive at 8 o'clock. You have your bags, it's a wasted day because you're now babysitting your luggage. What we did is we would use existing spaces in stores, we would use existing vehicles, and we would store their luggage so that they could enjoy your day, and then meet you at the hotel or your Airbnb, wherever. We were the first in New York City to do that. And this is me. And it grew because we were popular. People needed the service. And it just kept growing and growing. And that's us, you know? And then truckloads of bags. Now, as you can imagine, any great idea, any good idea is eventually will be copied. And I wanted to be the next Airbnb. I want it to be the next billionaire. I wanted to have it all again. You think about at the age of 21, that book that I journal that I put together, this journal's here. Still following that ambition. And even had a chance to go on Shark Tank, an audition. Made it almost to the final round, but I didn't quite get it through. But what would happen now is people started to want to partner with me. Some people couldn't do the entire luggage logistics thing the same way that I could. So let's partner. So I partnered with these two from another company called Verto. They had the same ambitions. They wanted to be big, but we all wanted to work locally because locally is another thing that I want to make sure that we take care of our drivers and that we keep it local And we don't get so big that we are billionaires or millionaires and we forget about the people. So these, This company, Virto, they were seeing that there was more competition coming into the industry. And they, even though we started together, we're gonna be small, be rich, but be small, right? But they said, no, the pressure is too much. Because I had the mobile version, the pressure wasn't so much on my company because that was hard to do. In New York City, you really need to know the streets. If you just use an existing space, then it's easier to copy that. And they felt the pressure, and they said, no, we need to raise money from venture capital, which means we need to raise millions of dollars. And I said to my friends here, uh, Sid is uh, the person on the right who I spoke to. I said, Sid, don't do it. Don't accept the money from the venture capital, because they don't care about you. They just want the money. And if you don't 10X, if you don't grow that company 10 times what they gave you, you will be in debt to those folks. But Sid didn't listen, Sid followed the ambition and we went our separate ways. Sid went on to raise almost $4 million from his company. I raised about $10,000 from friends and family. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, You know, it's hard not to be a little bitter, (laughs) but um, my moral compass was telling me not to go that route and my mentors also told me not to go that route. So there was a voice, there was a higher power that was telling me not to go that route. Then 2020 came, February 2020 and everything stopped. I remember we were in the luggage storage business, travel industry. When everything stopped there, everything stopped for Sid, everything stopped for me, everything slowed down. Needless to say, Sid had a rough time. Sid did not 10X his company, his competitors did. Sid found out that now he was never going to 10X company, so now Sid is in debt for that $4 million to this VC capitalist. The streets were empty, but then, May 2020, and the world went from a dead stop to exploding in anger over the death of George Floyd. And I found what I thought was my other family, that's us at McCarran Park, and my fellow activist, Brooklyn, New York City, where we would march in the streets, and we would fight for justice, and we would meet every single day in a park, rain or shine, whether it's 90 degrees outside or 10 degrees below, we would sit in that space at 7 p.m. every single day without stop, without excuses, and talk about how we can fight for the community. And that's us there, that's a fraction. There were thousands and thousands. You're seeing us on TV, you're seeing the marches that happened down here I'm sure as well. But that was my family. And what I found was that in this group, I was able to find my voice. Before this, I would not be able to do this. <laughs> I, was, I learned how to speak to people because of this. Before this, I would be nervous and not be able to speak, but I was able to speak, God, Spoke to me to speak to them about justice, and my thing was economic justice. It was very same billionaires that I was striving to be like, to find, I was fighting against them to shift the wealth away from them to community, and that was my fight. And the next, we'll get to the next slide. So. I created a platform here called the Freedom Market, Spread Love, it started as a Freedom Market and it's changed to Spread Love, and it's about spreading love. And through Spread Love, I eventually came from Brooklyn, New York City, and came down here to Florida. And if you can see in the next slide, once it comes up, that's where the Hernando today, if you see that picture right there, that's right, Outside, right over there. That's my sister there with her flowers that we were giving away food, groceries, clothing in New York here. It was just groceries at the time. And they wrote a pitch, a, a story about us. That's Judy in the photo as well. And I got help from folks in this church. I got help from Brother Guthrie. I got help from uh, Sister Marcel, Judy, of course, uh, my Auntie Linda. They would come out, my sister, Kurt, all of us. As a family, we were out there finding a way, We started in New York, giving away food and groceries. We started to do it here as well, to boost the local economy. And as Judy shared, I needed help. And I went to Judy and my sister and asked, Can I, is it okay if I share this mission that we are on? with your group." And they invited me on, and I won't go over that story again, except to say this, that yes, they invited me to share this message. And while I was there sharing this message and asking for support, I started listening to what they were saying. Now, keep in mind that they were online from the pandemic four or five days a week praying, praying every single day. And I was always fascinated by this because it reminded me a little bit of my group in Brooklyn. And that's when I started to hear some of this moral compass that I've had all my life. The spirituality, the tree hug, and all of that. I started to see the tie and the correlation. And they spoke about faith and love. And at the time, I didn't even want to say the word God, I would say, higher power, which is what all of us activists do, if they are even spiritual. But they challenged me. They challenged me on my faith. They challenged me to say the word God. They also shared a movie with me, Molly. I don't know if everybody, anybody's ever seen Molly. Any hands? Anybody ever seen the movie Molly? We can. It's such an amazing testimony about faith. And that inspired me. So during this time, I was planning a trip back to New York City. And if something that you should know about us activists, especially one that's an economic activist, uh, we struggle a lot. Because there's certain things that I just don't accept. I won't work with certain corporations. Corporations, I have certain values. And it it compromises, not compromises, but it it limits my decisions on the things that I can't do. So I was traveling, I had a, I wanted to come back to New York to where it started to, resume what I did with my activism, with the free food and the free groceries. But I didn't have the money. But I had a friend in New York that said, Trevor, if ever you want to come back, if ever you want to come back to New York City, there's a plane ticket that I can give you for my points. And that offer was out there for a year, but I did not want to accept it because of my pride. But then what I learned, one of the things I started learning in this group is humility. And I said, okay, why am I not doing what's good because of my pride? And I said to my friend, yes, I will accept your plane ticket to get back to New York. But still, I had no money. I had $25 in the bank account, so how am I gonna get around? How am I gonna eat? You know, how am I gonna, uh, I don't have a place to stay. But I said, I am going to have faith. It's one thing I'm learning from this group is to have faith. As Soon as I said that, a fellow activist, who's also a filmmaker, said to me, Trevor, I heard you're coming up to New York. I actually have a job that's gonna take me out of the country. When are you coming? When I gave her the dates, she said, oh, you know what? My apartment is available. You can stay there. And I said, okay one sign. So I said, okay, I'm gonna to go to New York and I'm gonna have faith and I'm gonna be all in if just for these seven days in New York City. And I went down to New York with only enough money to get from the airport to the apartment. No money to get around the other days, no food to eat. And I got to New York and I had an event that was scheduled for a Saturday. So on that Saturday, when we had an event in that same park where you saw the picture before, on that day, I am in the apartment, preparing my day, and then I realized, whoa, I'm gonna be all in. Today's Saturday is a Sabbath. What am I gonna do? (laughs) I got my whole secular playlist, that's what we do. I'm in the street, we get on the microphone, we got the music going. We play James Brown, you name it, all of that music. And I'm like, man, if I'm gonna go all in, then I need to change the playlist <laughs> to the gospel playlist that I was actually using back here that I created to use at the pantry here. And I'm so I put the music on and said, man, my activist buddies they're not gonna like this. You know, they're used to my, you know, the grooves. But I said, man, I, I said I'm going to be all in, so I am going all in. So I went all in, I had the play this going, and I said I'm going to go all in. That means today's the Sabbath. And I remembered when I was younger and being a Seventh-day Adventist and what that meant. And for some reason, I left a door open.
1: And in that door, the love of God
0: came through. Mm. And I said to myself, I am today, I'm going to be Seventh-day Adventist again.
1: Amen.
0: And I was overcome with emotion, tears were coming down. And then I said to myself, man, this is powerful, the love of God. Suddenly I didn't feel like the weight of the world was on me. I didn't feel like I, the decisions that I had been making and stressing out about, they were gone. Like, this is somebody that's looking out for me is a higher power. Most of all, all of the love that I'm giving out, spread love, spread love, spread love. Now that love, I'm worthy of receiving it as well. And I felt empowered. So now I'm feeling like, man, this is amazing. I need to have a public demonstration. I need to do something. I can't just sit here and, and, and not show my love. And I went just there happened to be a Bible in this apartment. I read the Bible, I said, man, if I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna play the gospel music, I really need to just reaffirm the fourth commandment. I went to the Bible, I read, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, six days, shall out, labor, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm in. All right, what am I gonna do? I've been baptized already, I need another signal, and I decided that what I'm going to do is I am going to burn my books. <laughs> And um, now these books are my memories from the age of 21 to 30 or so. And I said, I'm gonna burn these books. But I'm gonna, the books were in Florida, so I had some time to think about it. So I had doubts, I said, okay, I'm not gonna do this. But on that playlist, one of the songs that we're playing was James Cleveland. And the lyrics went like this If anyone Should ever write My life story For whatever reason There might be He'll be there Between each line Of pain and glory Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. Amen. And what that meant to me is that during that entire time in these books, that God was there with me. He was writing my story. Yes. And my friends who heard that I was gonna burn this book, my relatives actually, uh, my brother-in-law Kurt, and some of the folks on that prayer line said, Trevor, no, we heard something different. I had to burn those books because those books are your testimony. Yeah. This is how you testify. Yeah. So I decided to spread the word through the 53 year old me today, talking to the 21 year old me back then. So this is New York. I'm in New York. I went to that meeting Saturday. The religious music was playing. My activist friends, some of them were actually turned off. You could just see it in their faces. What are you doing? Why do you have me sitting here playing this gospel music? But the rest of them, I said, listen, man, I had a, I had a moment today, and I want to share that with you. And um, I shared about how I let the love of Christ in and how empowered I was. And then they started sharing it. <laughs> they were on their own spiritual journeys. Nobody wanted to share it because we don't talk about that. This is one of my fellow activists, and um, he was actually one of the inspirations. I shouldn't put his picture up as somebody that was a doubter, because he's actually on his own spiritual journey. And um, before I came down there, I was surprised to hear that there was people in this activist group that were on their own spiritual journeys. And me and him decided to go to church before I came down there. But he was also the activist who was going to, we were both giving away clothes, we were giving away food. And, um, but we sat in that space on Saturday, and we shared, and I spoke about my spiritual journey. They started sharing, I spoke about how, oh, now I'm accepting love, and I feel so good about it. Then another activist said, Trevor, a really good friend of mine, the one who actually inspired me to speak, said, Trevor, I, I've got a motorcycle, i got two cars, do you want to use my car to get around? Hmm. I was like, no, no, know. And again, my pride was speaking. But then the rest of the neighbors actually acting like, Trevor, love, accept love. <laughs> I said, yeah, you're yeah, right, OK, yeah, OK, I'll take the car. And then another neighbor said, Trevor, you need something to eat. And they were like, I said, like, Trevor, accept, accept love. And I said, OK, yes. So for the entire trip, I had food, transportation, and an apartment $25 in my pocket. And I made the entire trip. So I'm going to, that's the book. I don't know if I'm going to read a passage, but there's a passage there. Um, I'm actually not going to read it now, but if you, there's a quote there. If you want to scan it, uh, you can see what's read there, but basically I'll summarize it. That's a passage. Should I read it or not? No? Okay, let's not read it. There's a passage there that speaks about my want for materialism and my striving for materialism. And the 53-year-old me today, well, look at that. 21-year-olds who wrote that, and tell them, no, that's not what you should be striving for. You should be striving for something greater. Amen. And there's a couple of pages, and I read this on that code. There's ways to connect with neighbors. There's ways to, to to connect with me. So you just scan that whenever you want. We have a platform here now called Hello Neighbor, and we want our neighbors to know each other. We want us. To talk to your neighbors at home, talk to your neighbors in the church, not just in church, but talk to them when you leave the church. Hmm. You know, I don't even know my neighbors in my own block where I live, street where I live. And we are trying to build a platform where we can connect. And this is the clothing that we had in New York. And I'll tell you one thing. For the five years that I seven years now since I launched this business, and the three years, four years since I've been doing activism, everything seemed so hard. Trying to connect with people, trying to even give stuff away, trying to spread my message, the talents that I have, logistic talents and storytelling talent, talents, it just wasn't connecting. As soon as I turned my faith and believed in God, things started connecting. We put these clothes out. At Maria Hernandez Park in Brooklyn, and within 15 minutes, people swarmed us and just took the clothes. We put, we're now working with Miguel's Latin Market here in Spring Hill, something that was so hard to do. The goal of our activism is to have pantries where you don't need volunteers, we don't need space. Tapping into the the things that I've learned in New York with using the existing space, which is the Airbnb model, by the way. You have, instead of using a hotel, use your apartment, existing space. That's what we want to do with community. And so we work with existing stores so that you don't need a pantry, so you don't need volunteers. So that we use the resources that are already available. All of a sudden, that came together down here with McGraw's Landmark. It's a dream that I've been working on for three years to help community, and it works now. Same thing with groceries. You need groceries? You don't need a pantry, you don't need a, 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 a food line, It's fine. If you do need it, that's fine, but we are trying to make it so that we don't have to exhaust additional resources. If you need groceries, scan the code. You get free groceries, you get free lunches, you get free, um, not clothing right now, but you can find those resources there. And about the storytelling, that thing. Now when I started my video um, career back, way back before they had iPhones and all that stuff. Yeah, I would get a lot of traffic back then. YouTube was brand new. But since then, since I started doing the activism, and
1: since I started doing
0: the uh, platform of entrepreneurship, I was not able to connect. I would be lucky if I got six views on a video, six likes. Suddenly, three weeks ago, I put a bonus episode, (laughs) which was a throwaway episode. And it's related to economic empowerment, and it's related to God. And I featured an artist that was inspired by God. He turned down eight million dollars because he believed in God. And I put an episode up there, I just review, kind of a throwaway, and it almost got fifty thousand views, two thousand likes. And I'm like, man, I didn't even try because it's not me. God is using me. As a vehicle for his message, he's using the skills that I learned before now to connect with neighbors. Amen. So that's me there, and it's about spreading love.
1: That heart is me screaming. I, I mean, I'm toned down actually from when I'm in the street,
0: but I'm screaming. At the t- I'll be out in the streets of New York on the mic screaming because I want to spread love, and I want to shout to the top of my lungs how to be spread love. And And now about faith, hope, love, these three things. But the greatest of these is love. So I want you to know, what does love mean? And we sat down and it's gonna end up, we're gonna close up right about now. And with my brother-in-law, we spoke about what does this word, word, love mean, with another cousin of mine. Because love has almost become kind of a word that it's, a a word that's lost a lot of its meaning because everybody throws it around. We really want to know, what does love mean? And my brother-in-law, Kurt, said that for him, and I'm paraphrasing, love means being unselfish, the act of, of unselfishness. And I want us to think of love as an action. As again, my dad said to me, give. Give. Give until it hurts. And for me, love means action. Love means not just having the word that exists that You say, you have to show love. Or else it's meaningless. God showed love. Jesus showed love in his action. And finally, one more slide I'd like to end with. And that's field that we sat in in Brooklyn, New York City, for three years, or two years when I left out in the cold or in the heat on the rain and torrential downpour, sitting in the elements, in the grass, where we were trying to put love into action. One of those days, about a year in, is a light pole that was right next to us. A light pole where we all sat in this big old circle. And then one of these days, one of these days we came in and on that pole something had changed. And on that pole somebody tactic with this word. Love is a verb. And I want, if there's nothing else you don't get from this message, I want you to take that away. Love is a verb. Thank you very much for allowing me to take all of this
1: time. (laughs) I really
0: appreciate it. I hope that you all find Hello neighbor, thank you very much, amen and amen.